Aloha, this is Pastor Perry, and I want to thank you for joining us online to study the Word of God together. We pray that you will be blessed as the Holy Spirit ministers to you through this message and through God's Word. Good morning. Today's reading from God's Holy Scriptures, Romans 14, 13 through 15. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself, but if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person, it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. Jim, thanks for doing our reading today. Would you pray with me as we ask the Lord to speak to us through his word? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we, we praise you that you are a God that we can depend on, that your character never changes. We thank you, Lord, that you are always truthful, you are always kind and gracious and merciful. We thank you, Lord, that your mercies are new every morning. Because, Lord, we need them. And we know, Lord, that we can come to you and ask forgiveness. And we come to you, Lord, and ask you to forgive us those things that we have done that have hurt you and hurt others, that have hurt ourselves. Forgive us, Lord. Cleanse us from our sin, we pray. And, Lord, we pray that you would fill us with your spirit so we can impart mercy to others, that we would be quick to forgive, quick to overlook, quick to offer your forgiveness through us. Lord, we thank you that you're a God that cares for us, and we ask, Lord, that you would take care of those who we know are suffering right now. Lord, we're aware of some who have had strokes, some who have lost loved ones, some who are fighting cancer, some who have other illnesses, some who are depressed, and the list goes on and on of people that we know and we love. And Lord, we ask for you to care for them, to minister health to them, to speak to them, to give them your peace. And Lord, we have others that are celebrating new life. I've heard of many now that uh, are pregnant. And Lord, we just pray for those pregnancies to go safely and well. We rejoice in these lives. Lord, we rejoice with those who have had good news this week. And we thank you for that. We ask, Lord, now for the Holy Spirit to be our teacher and for him to speak truth through me for the glory of Christ, in whose name we ask all these things. Amen. We're continuing today in our expositional study in the book of Romans, which we've entitled Truth Matters, because truth does matter, and we get truth from God's scriptures. And today's sermon, I've titled it Freedom, Doubts, and Ruin. And you'll see that progression as we get into the sermon. One day, John was driving home from work, and somewhere in the south, he was on kind of a deserted highway, and it was late in the afternoon, and as he's driving home, he, he spots a hitchhiker on the side of the road. Now, this is back in the 70s when 
we all used to hitchhike, and that's how I got around back then. And, and it was okay to pick up hitchhikers back then. I don't know exactly what happened, but he sees this hitchhiker, and, and he sees him, and he's thinking about picking him up. And he thought, oh, it'll be good to have some company. I feel kind of sorry for him, but he's checking him out, and he's got, hitchhiker has long hair, and he's got a bandana on, he's got an old army jacket and jeans, and he's barefoot, and he's trying to decide whether he's going to pick this guy up when the hitchhiker flashes him the peace sign. So John is thinking, oh, that's okay. So he pulls to the side of the road, invites the hitchhiker to get in his car, and they strike driving along, talking a little bit, but the guy wasn't much of a conversationalist. Well, as they're driving, all of a sudden, John gets suspicious of this guy. I mean, he's thinking, I don't really know who this guy is. He looks a little strange. So he thought, where's my wallet? And he had put his wallet in his jacket, and he checks his jacket for um, his wallet that's right between the passenger and himself. And he checks, and his wallet's not in his jacket. So John slams on the brakes. He looks at the hitchhiker and says, hand over the wallet. And the frightened hitchhiker goes in his pocket and pulls out a wallet, hands it to him, and then John says, get out of the car, and he leaves the hitchhiker on the side of the, the, the highway, abandoned there, and drives away. And his heart is just racing, and, and John gets home, and he can't wait to tell his wife what happened, and he starts to tell her what happened. He goes, wait, wait, John, but before you say anything, I just want to let you know, did you know you forgot your wallet today, and you left it on the dresser? Some of you will take a minute to figure out what's going on here. He had just robbed the hitchhiker. <laughs> I don't know whether the story is true or not, but I know that it's a sad truth that each of us are too quick to judge others by what they look like. And often we are unkind and we come to the wrong conclusions. Last week we started the look at Romans chapter 14, and we looked at the first half of the chapter, and we saw that the entire chapter has to do with what we call questionable practices, things that some people do as Christians that others don't do, and we kind of judge one another by those things. They're not sin in themselves, but we judge them, and in the context, Paul's talking to, to Christians where eating meat was controversial, because that meat we're assuming was meat that maybe um, was not allowed under the Jewish law. And then these Jews became Christians, and some of them said, oh, no, we can have bacon for breakfast. And others go, no, you can have bacon, you can have pork chops, you can't have lobster, you know, you can't eat any of those things. And so there were a difference of opinions in the church on what made you spiritual and what didn't, and people were accusing each other. And there's a tendency for us in all our cultures throughout the centuries to judge other people based on some arbitrary list of standards that we think represent a mature Christian or not. My grandpa Lewis was not only a medical doctor, but he was also a fine Christian man. And movie theaters were starting to get popular back in the day, and, and he decided to take my grandmother to go see a movie. And so they went to a movie, they had a nice evening together, and then that Sunday they went to church and one of the deacons pulled my grandfather aside and said, Lewis, someone in the church saw you coming out of a movie theater. How do you explain yourself? My grandfather smiled and politely said, well, it was over. <laughs> we may no longer judge people by whether they go to movies, but we judge them by other things. Some of us might judge Patrick for wearing a ball cap during worship, and I mentioned that last week, and say, so, you know, some people are bothered by your ball cap. So you'll notice this week he got a different ball cap. 
And as I mentioned last week, I, when I saw Patrick leading worship in a ball cap, I told him, I said, Patrick, that bothers me, and you should keep wearing it. Because those aren't things that are sin or not sin. Those are just things that maybe bother us or don't bother us. I have permission to use them as an example. I won't use you as an example because you haven't yet given me permission. (laughs) But we saw last week the place to start when it comes with judging others on these questionable practices, the place to start is with the stop. And I want to reissue the first principle from last week and give it to you this week. (laughs) Stop, number one there. And if you're taking notes, watching online, the outlines are available on our website. And if you came in the room and didn't get one, there's some by the door. You're welcome to go ahead and get up and grab an outline. Number one, stop being so judgmental. That's where we start with these questionable practices. And the Apostle Paul has been saying this for the first part of the chapter, and he finishes up the chapter, and he says the same thing again in the middle of the chapter, verse 13. He says, therefore, let us not judge one another anymore. He's pretty specific. Stop it. Cut it out. Don't do it. No more judging other people over practices that are not sin, but you just don't like. Stop being so judgmental. And I'm speaking to you, but I'm speaking to myself. Well, in the first half of chapter 14, the Apostle Paul is admonishing us not to judge the actions of others. But in the second half of the chapter, the Apostle Paul has us look at our own actions. So the first half, don't judge those people's actions. But the second half, he goes, let's take a look at your own actions now. Look again at verse 13, but I'm going to read the whole thing this time. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore. Those are the first 12 verses. But now he's going to tell us something more. He says, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. Now let's look at your actions and what you do. One of Satan's little tricks that we all fall for is it gets us focused on the actions of other people rather than being focused on what we do. We're so busy, worried about everyone else, we can neglect our own hearts and souls and actions. And so Paul is bringing us back, says, quit focusing on that other person. You need to focus on yourself. And then he tells us a really important reason why you and I shouldn't be concerned about what other people do, that we should be concerned about what we do. And the reason is, is that we're all going to stand someday before God as the judge. In other words, you and I are not the judge. We are the judged. Only God is the judge. Look at verse 10. In verse 10, he says, but you, why do you judge your brother or sister, of course? Or you again, why do you regard your brother or sister with contempt For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. He's the judge, not you. Verse 12. So then each one of us shall give account of himself or herself to God. Stop being so judgmental. And one of the reasons is because God is a judge and he judges fairly and you and I don't. You see, at the final judgment, God isn't going to call you over and say, hey, I need your advice. I'm getting ready to reward or punish this person based on what they've been thinking and doing and their motives. I need your help. That's not going to happen. And when God goes to judge you and your motives and your heart for what you do, he's not going to call someone else over and go, what do you think Perry was thinking when he did that? 
God already knows. He is the judge. We are the judged. And so Paul says, stop being so judgmental. It's not your role. Now, in chapter 14, the Apostle Paul has been contrasting the actions of the Christian with a strong faith, the mature Christian, with the actions of a Christian with a weak faith or an immature Christian. And he's going to compare in there. And the subject, remember, is not sin. The subject are actions that we just agree on, and some of us think it's okay, and some don't. And in the last half of chapter 14, the Apostle Paul tells the mature Christian, yeah, you may be free, and you may feel free to do this. You may feel free to, to eat this food that the immature Christian doesn't eat. You may feel free to drink that or wear this or dress that way. But take a look at your freedom and see how it's affecting other people. Now, Paul's going to point out he's not talking about people just disagreeing with you or disapproving of you. He's not talking about people who are annoyed by you or angry at your actions. He's talking about an immature Christian who watches you and then does what you do, and their walk with Jesus is ruined. That's what he's talking about. Look at the strong words he uses in verse 13. At the end of verse 13, he says, not to put, and notice the word, an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. Obstacle or stumbling block. Notice verse 15. For if because of food your brother is hurt, notice that word, you're no longer walking according to love, do not destroy, notice that word, destroy with your food him for whom Christ died. Obstacle, stumbling block. That word stumbling block in the Greek is the word skandalon, from which you get scandal. It has the idea of, of throwing out a, a bait trap and causing someone to be trapped. Don't hurt them. And then he says, don't destroy someone's walk with the Lord through your freedom. I mean, Jesus allowed his body to be destroyed to free that person. Well, why would you use your freedom now to destroy that person? And again, we're not talking about other Christians not liking your hairstyle or the clothes you wear or your body art. We're talking about a weaker Christian modeling their life after you, thinking it's okay, and that leads them to ruin. Again, look at verse 15. Do not destroy with your food for him Christ died. The issue for them was food. It was whether you could eat this kind of food that was ceremonially unclean in the Old Testament, but Jesus made it clean, and so you could eat it. But they, they struggled with the transition. It's been 1,500 years of following these dietary, dietary restrictions, and now they're free to eat, and they go, I'm not so sure about this. And one Christian says, yeah, well, let's eat it. Go ahead. Don't worry about it. And it's bothering the immature Christian, and they do it anyway. So, Here's our second principle that we get from what we're being taught here, and that's this, number two on your outline. Don't let your freedom ruin others. Don't let your freedom ruin others. 
In Christ, we've been set free from all these rules and regulations in the Old Testament, but maybe it's better not to eat those things in front of an immature Christian who's come out of Judaism who struggles with this, is what Paul's saying. Driving a car is a fine thing if you're mature enough to drive one. Back before the dairies of airbags and, and car seats being mandated and booster seats, my aunt and uncle went out for a drive with their five children. They were busy filling their quiver full of children. They only had five at the time. Eventually, we'd had seven. By the time of the story, they had five. And they had them in their station wagon. All the kids piled in. And they decided on the way home from church that they would stop to visit this family. They had to run in and get something. It would be very quick. And so they told the kids, just stay in the car. And we're going to go in the house and come out just very quick. And if my memory serves me, the kids would have been about six, five, four, three, and two at that time. So, man, I'll go around the house just for a moment, and the moment is all it took. One of the kids had seen dad, who's mature and a good driver, drive the car. And this immature child decided they wanted to be like dad and drive the car. So they got in the driver's seat behind the steering wheel, released the emergency brake. Car was not running, but it was on an incline on the driveway. And it slowly began to coast down the driveway. Man and uncle come out of the house. They look, the car's not in the driveway. The car's not in the road. The car is nowhere to be seen. They panicked, frightened. There was a canyon on the other side of the road. They looked down the canyon, and there's their station wagon filled with their children, kind of all banged up. My uncle was a surgeon, my aunt, emergency room nurse. They knew what to do. They ran down the canyon. They got to their kids. There's blood everywhere, kids screaming. One child, the youngest, um, was unconscious. I can't remember. Maybe she wasn't even breathing at that time. They took care of the medical needs, got everything taken care of, called the ambulance. And thanks be to God, all the kids ended up being fine. No permanent damage for the kids. Now, my story is not about good and bad parenting and what you think of my aunt and uncle. <laughs> they were young, I'm sure, like you. They made some judgment calls they wish they hadn't made. But my point is this, that an immature person might try to do the same thing a mature person does, and it leads to ruin. And so if you're a mature Christian, strong in the faith, Paul says, look at what you're doing, and look how it's an influencing the immature Christian. And he tells us, don't let your freedom ruin others. Instead, you ought to be building them up, not tearing them down. Notice verse 19. Verse 19 says, so then, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another not the destruction of one another. Verse 17, for this is the kingdom of God, not eating and drinking, not arguing about these things. That's not God's kingdom. God's kingdom is righteousness, and it's peace, and it's joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what you should be bringing to the table with these other people, is righteousness and peace and joy because you're filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Now, as the Apostle Paul is finishing up this chapter, he has some things to say to the Christian who is weak in their faith. In other words, the immature Christian. Because he wants to point out that the spiritual growth of an immature Christian is not dependent just on the mature Christian. It's also dependent on the immature Christian. And the immature Christian, the weak Christian, the baby Christian, they have a responsibility too. They can't just say, he made me do it. Verse 21. The Apostle Paul said, it is good not to eat meat or drink wine or to any, do anything by which your brother stumbles. Now, we read that in the 21st century, and we don't have a problem with meat, but some Christians have a problem with the wine part of this verse. Well, I remind you that in the first century, they didn't have a problem drinking wine. I mean, come on, he's writing to to Greeks and Jews. (laughs) They had a problem with the meat. And so when he says wine, I think we read it like, oh yeah, that's something that's controversial. I don't think so. I think he's saying the controversial thing is the meat. But even the non-controversial thing, like your Coca-Cola or or your milk or your wine in this case. He goes, it's good not to do the controversial thing or even something that you think isn't controversial if it stumbles another Christian. And so that's what he's saying to the mature Christian. Now notice what he says to the immature Christian, verses 22 and 23. Verse 23, to the weak and faith Christian, the faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. In other words, you can't blame the mature Christian if they're doing something different. You, ultimately, it's your faith. Happy is he who does not condemn himself and what he approves. Don't do something you think is wrong. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats. Because his eating is not from faith, and whatever is not from faith is sin. If you see someone do something, and they think it's okay, and you follow suit, and you have doubts and don't think you should do it, that's a sin. So here's our third and last principle. When in doubt, don't. When in doubt, don't. If you don't think you should do something, don't do it. It doesn't matter what the crowd does. It doesn't matter what the church does. It doesn't matter what the other people do. If you have a doubt whether you should do this thing, don't do it. Don't do it. So to conclude what Paul is saying here, so you can have a take-home lesson you can remember, I've summed it up this way. If you look at your notes, summary, here it is. Don't do anything that would ruin your walk with Jesus. Don't do anything that would ruin your walk with Jesus. And secondly, don't do anything that would ruin the walk of another, ruin the walk of another if they follow your example. Don't do anything that would ruin your walk with Jesus or ruin the walk of another if they follow your example. I'd like to ask you to pray with me. If you'd bow your heads, even if you're watching online, so you can have a private moment. Let's pray together. If you're here and you have never invited Jesus Christ into your life, that's the place to start with your walk with Jesus. If you recognize that he died for your sins, that he rose from the grave, he conquered death, that that you are a sinner, if you recognize that, if you recognize that 
You need help. You need saving. I ask you right now, just call to him and say simply, Lord, save me. Come into my life. Forgive my sins so I might have eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, as I preach this sermon, I'm convicted. Perhaps others too. And we ask you to forgive us of attitudes of judgment. And Lord, that we might bring righteousness and peace and joy to the table rather than judgmental attitudes toward others. Lord, help us to draw people to Jesus through the kind way, the merciful way, the loving way that we treat them. We pray all these things through Jesus' merciful name. Amen.